electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hi, I'm Kelly Evans, host of CNBC's The Exchange, and here's what's on my mind. Perhaps this morning's scorching CPI report can finally put to rest the argument that this is supply-driven inflation and the Fed shouldn't be fighting it. What we have now is broad-based, demand-driven, service, labor, and housing inflation, and only the Fed can successfully fight it. This is most obvious in the accelerating monthly gains in both headline and core CPI. If this were supply-driven pandemic inflation, these readings would have been hottest two years ago and since then moderating substantially. Instead, these readings are accelerating now. The headline CPI rose 1.3% in June just from the prior month. As Nick Timoros of the Wall Street Journal pointed out, that's equivalent to the entire annual gain we used to see as recently as December 2020, and that was nine months into the pandemic. Now, last month's pop was definitely driven by gasoline prices soaring to their peak of $5.01 a gallon nationwide on June 14th. Since then, pump prices have retraced to $4.63. So the headline CPI should cool in July. But what explains the surging core readings? Core CPI, which excludes both energy and food prices, rose seven-tenths of a percent last month when it needs to be more like two-tenths or less to keep annual inflation around the Fed's 2% target. The biggest drivers of core inflation last month, according to the Labor Department, were shelter-slash-rent prices, used cars and trucks, medical care, car insurance, and new car prices. Let's grant that car supplies were definitely hit by the pandemic and ongoing supply chain issues, but car demand also surged at the same time, driven by the same factors that are driving soaring rents, stubbornly high home prices, and the household furnishings that also pushed up the core CPI last month. Just last night, Deutsche Bank's Justin Widener published a report noting, as we have been writing for months now, that inflation is becoming increasingly demand-driven. Two-thirds of the inflation rate he now attributes to demand-driven components and only a third to supply constraints. Demand-driven is another way of saying fueled by government stimulus, whether from the Fed or the fiscal side of the equation. Recall the Fed grew its balance sheet by nearly $5 trillion after the pandemic hit, while fiscal policy contributed about $5.2 trillion of stimulus, per Christina Romer. The fiscal side has already dropped out of the picture, as embodied by Joe Manchin, but the Fed is only now racing to bring monetary policy from stimulative back to neutral and by next year likely constrictive. Whether or not that sends the economy into the recession in the coming months is kind of beside the point. Consumer prices have now surged 16% since before the pandemic hit, according to Peter Bukvar. Consumers' inflation expectations have already become unanchored in the short term, and most households already feel like they are in recession. The Fed is right to try and fix this mess now, which it could have prevented by tightening more aggressively 6 to 12 months ago. Otherwise, the solution could get a lot worse. Policy fixes to inflation, like rent, price, and wage controls, are notoriously counterproductive. They could weaken the U.S. economy and ingrain inflationary pressures for years longer than necessary. Larry Summers has already floated tax hikes as one way to help lower inflation. Jason Furman responded to this morning's report by saying fiscal policy should quote-unquote help, i.e. slow the economy, through a half trillion dollars of deficit reduction, i.e. tax hikes, and by slowing prescription drug prices via Congress. 
As for the Fed, the case for another 75 basis point rate hike at its meeting later this month now looks more convincing. In fact, Canada's central bank this morning just came out with a surprise full point rate hike, taking its rate to 2.5%. Deutsche Bank thinks the U.S. needs to get rates up to around 4.1% by next year from around 1.6% currently in order to bring the economy back into a sustainable long-term equilibrium. Even as Fed officials have focused more attention on inflation drivers outside of their control, recent inflation data have been increasingly influenced by a factor they can impact through tighter monetary policy, demand, wrote Deutsche's Widener. And as his estimates show, the Fed still has a long ways to go on that front. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the Exchange podcast and catch our show live weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern only on CNBC. See you then. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 